so excited to have you guys back listening to Enjoying the Journey. We have a special guest today. I cannot wait to get into the conversation. We have Megan Marshman with us today. I don't know her personally, but I feel like I know her a little bit better talking off air. I cannot wait to hear what God is doing in and through you and what uh, he has to share through you today. So Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to Enjoying the Journey. I'm pumped to be here, Rob. Thank you for the invitation. And for those of you listening, hello. It's good to meet you over the air and on your phones. However, in the world, we are able to connect in this time. My hope is that this is not just a conversation between Rob and I, but that somehow the Holy Spirit might use it in a powerful way and meet all of us right where we're at. So I'm planning on doing that myself. I know Rob's up for that journey as well, because that's the way we're going to enjoy it if God's in it. Amen. Amen. So Megan, they may or may not have heard your name before or or maybe even seen you speak. But for those that don't know Megan Marshman, what what can you tell us? How yeah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what God's doing? Sure. Yeah. I was married for 10 years. Hmm. It's so weird to start this way because this is new to me in the hmm. past 10 months, but I was married 10 years. And in the middle of the night, my husband went to be with Jesus very unexpectedly. And I have two little boys and we are are figuring out for the past 10 months since that moment, but that's a big marker of us is how do we live right where we're at, how God had planned, even if we don't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I also have what I get to do with my time is hang out with two little boys and work for Jesus, which is a wonderful vocation. If any of you are considering it, I think uh, whether or not the person that pays you as a church or not, you do work for Jesus. But if you get that added blessing of vocationally having that, uh, it doesn't have to be because I basically just get to discern what God's best yes is for me, even if it is not uh, even even if it doesn't make a ton of sense to other people, but I have some really sweet yeses. I get to work at a church locally. I'm currently even recording this podcast from my home church in Long Beach, California. I also work at a church in Chicago and at a Christian camp in the Sequoia National Forest. If you're listening from anywhere other than California, you have no idea where that means and you could care less, but it's wonderful. It's in the mountains where the Holy Spirit is thick because distractions are lowered. It's sweet. It's a good life, um, but not because circumstances feel good, but because I know a God who is good right in the midst of it. Wow, that's awesome. So how did you end up at, at, at two different churches, one in Chicago and one in California? Yeah, so I was in life group with my lead pastor at the church my husband and I were attending, and then he offered a part-time job when I left a full-time job working for a curriculum company for churches, mm. and I was not interested uh, and we're actually working for the church at all, which is kind of funny. I was traveling and speaking at lots of different churches and um, working at a curriculum company. And then he offered a part-time job, just one or two days a week, loving people at the church I was at. And after some honest prayer with the Lord, I said, yes, but it was still, and I talked with him and saying, you know, but I still want to like be able to go and share wherever the Lord opens a door. And then one of those doors was a church in Chicago and they had some chaos happen in their church. Mm-hmm. And after teaching there for a couple of years, they opened a door for me to be on staff and to fly out every six weeks with my family. And so every six weeks we go to a church in Chicago and I get to share with a convers- with a community I've grown to love. 
a group of people who passionately love Jesus. So I get to do that every six weeks, but just about every week, me and my little boys are flying or driving somewhere to share the good news of Jesus. I want to get like a sprinter van and put our little family face on the side, except that'd be creepy. So we won't do that. I like that idea though. That's pretty cool. That, yeah. that's, you're from California. You can get away with it. If I put my face on one from Iowa, they just think I was weird or something. Yeah, I'm absolutely <laughs> not putting my face on the side of a van, but <laughs> you know. I wouldn't because I'm not always sure I drive the most Christian. Mm, mm. Speaking of driving, I'm going to share with you a random story. Anyone listening, here's a random story. So my husband and I were driving about four years ago. And we were following behind a van and my husband used to be an emergency room nurse, but at the time he was managing ambulance companies. And so he knew uh, because he was managing it, he always found out about the crash and the bad news and the things that would always happen in his job. His job was called, he was called a safety manager. So he had to manage safety. But one time we were driving behind a van that was driving normal. There was nothing wrong with the van. And my husband leaned to me and said, can I uh, tell you something I do sometimes? I'm like, uh, sure. He goes, watch this. And you know, those things on the back of a van that says like, how's my driving with a number? Yep. He goes to call it and he's, I'm watching him dial the number while he's driving, which isn't safe. And he continues to dial the number and it starts ringing. And the lady answers and she's like, hi, my name's Tiffany. Are you calling for a complaint or a compliment? And he goes, I'd like to compliment one of your drivers. And she said, excuse me. And he said, <laughs> yes. I would like to give a compliment for one of your driving drivers. She starts to get this like nervous laughter. We come to find out by the end of the conversation, this was the very first compliment she had ever received in <laughs> eight years on the job. Wow. And this is what my husband started to do. He goes, so I'm driving behind him and he switched lanes and you know, I don't know what he used. And the lady's like, tell me, he's like, he used his turn indicator every single time. And the woman is now like roaring with laughter. We can tell she put us on speakerphone with all the other ladies in the office and they are all laughing hysterically. She goes, please tell me more. She goes, and he's like, well, traffic was slowing down about five minutes ago. And he gave me ample time using his brake lights. I'm talking ample time to slow down. This woman is laughing and he's like, and you want to know what he's driving right now? She's like, tell me, he's like the speed limit. She is laughing. She goes, no one does this. No one finds the good. And that's the truth. I mean, I'm on this podcast called enjoying the ride. We're talking about putting my face on a van, which we never will. But ultimately that reminded me and sparked on me this moment of how my husband enjoyed life while he was here on earth. And one of the ways he did it is he tried to find the best in people. And can I tell you how radical that was listening to the response of a woman? Because naturally we notice really bad drivers. Naturally, we find the terrible parts of our friends. Naturally, we look in the mirror and see the terrible parts of ourselves. Yet I believe, and this is really the word I want to get out on this entire message. Man, if I could share one thing is that it's not easy to find the good in life. I mean, you and I both have these circumstances, right? Where it's really easy for the bad. I shared like, who are you? Oh, I'm a widow. That is not how I wanted to begin this conversation, but I knew I had to, if I'm going to stand here or stand here, I'm sitting, uh, you're hopefully sitting, listening to this podcast. If I'm going to be here telling you that you can enjoy the ride, I have to let you know the circumstances with which I'm saying that it's possible. And the only way to do that, and I'll even back this up with scripture, Jeremiah 29, 13 is where God is speaking to people who are in the season of waiting for something good. They are in a lot of bad exile and God speaks and gives them this promise. He says, um, you will call upon me and come and pray to me. This is verse 12. You're going to call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. Verse 13, God speaking. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So the promise is, if you seek to find God, you will. 
And I'll even go a real step further with the practicality of this. If you seek to find the good, what's the very best good you can find? God himself. He Mm -hmm. is the definition and standard of everything good and everything good we have is from him. So if you want to know how to enjoy the life, call and compliment some, some drivers that are just doing a good job. And while you're at it, compliment your friends. And while you're at it, find God's image all over the place. Cause here's the promise from Jeremiah 29, 13. If you seek to find the good, if you seek to find God, you will find what you're searching for. And that's not just driving. You can find God's image, his goodness, even on the road with people doing their best, but also you can find it in his word. If you open your Bible and you seek to find truth about God, you won't be disappointed. If you're seeking inspiration, you might be, I think too many people give up on their Bibles because they're seeking the wrong thing. The promise is not inspiration. The promise is finding God himself because he's the main character of that story. And every room you walk into, walk into a room today, the next one you're walking into and go, how can I find God? And then call it out because he wants to be found by us. And that's what he says in Jeremiah 29, 14. He says, I will be found by you. He says it twice, 29, 13, seek to find me and you'll find what you're looking for. And then first 14, I will be found by you. God wants to be found. And when you find him, you have the potential to enjoy the ride. That's good. It's really, really good. And if I can ask walking over the, so a decade, married a decade, and then out of nowhere, just gone and then finding the next 10 months with your little boys what does that look like so so if somebody's listening and they're walking through their most horrible worry fear anxiety or or reality their worst reality what would you tell them how how would you how would you help them along through through some of this really painful stuff Yep. I'll say, I'll I'll make practical what I said earlier. I would find God in it because he's in the middle of it. For instance, Mm -hmm. let's get practical. If you're in the middle of a divorce, he's in the middle of the divorce with you. Now, let me also get practical. You don't have to do life alone. I think we can all consciously know that God is with us. That's a really great thing, especially around the Christmas time. Emmanuel, God with us. And you can believe that's true. Yep. You can act as if he's not. So autonomy is actually the topic I'm currently studying in life is my tendency to want to do life on my own, mm. to parent on my own, because circumstantially I am on my own. I am literally a single parent, N- never signed up for this, of course. Um, but here's what I'm realizing. If God's really with me in the middle, then I'm not single parenting. And in a tough moment with one of my little boys, I can try to like do it on my own and like say the right thing or like convict him on my Mm. own, or I can pause and ask God, like, God, help me. And that's the simplest prayer. I can say that I'm now praying more than ever before, because I'm choosing for the first time to believe the scripture that says his power is made perfect in weakness. See, I, if you were to have asked me 11 months ago, so before my husband passed, where's power made perfect without me knowing or that triggering, like that scripture, I would have said, Oh, I've seen God's power. Um, with really great worship. I've seen God's power with talent. I've seen God's power with brilliance. I've seen God, God's power with quotes. I've seen God's power with, um, our best efforts. I would have finished that. If I, again, I didn't know the verse, I would have finished that with like, Oh, I've seen God's power all over the place. Now, I'm wanting to not just believe the truth, but see the truth that his power is made perfect in weakness. So what if in a moment of weakness or any burden you're carrying that is not of the Lord, 
you were to open it up to doing it with him. So again, for me, it's single parenting. It's God, how do I co-parent with you in this moment? I don't know my son like you do. Mm-hmm. You know him inside and out. Is grace what he needs? Is discipline what he needs? But I'm now doing it with him. Mm-hmm. And that's in everything. So friendships. Let's say I, I had a really rough encounter with a friend recently. Mm-hmm. The person, it, it was no sin. She wasn't sinning. She just wasn't aware of my circumstances in what she was saying. So for instance, culturally, there's that phrase like I'm dead. That is a phrase right now that is really popular. When something's funny, it's I'm dead. You can imagine someone like me, that's really challenging. If constantly yeah. people are saying phrases like that, I'm aware that they're not meaning to, but when they constantly, it feels kind of like this, well, you're not, uh, you know, like you can imagine yeah. like, how even isolating that feels in that moment. It's funny. And I used to use it. I used to use that. I would text the, the uh, skull emoji when something was funny. I did it. And this is, and if for some of you listening, you're like, this is a thing. It is a thing. Uh, with yeah, I'm, right I'm on the, I didn't know it was a thing yeah, thing. It is a thing thing. So, but this person's doing this and they're not aware of it. And so in that moment, I felt the burden of, so then I invited the Lord into it quietly. I'm just going, Lord, what do I do? Do I say something right now? And the person was just sharing something. And, and what I discerned was, no, I'll take care of them. Or maybe you're feeling, so I'm imagining a listener feeling the burden of someone else who has expectations of you. Maybe someone's disappointed in you. And here's what I'm realizing in taking that person's disappointment in me, because I haven't been able to be who I've been able to be for them in the past with just limited margin. And the Lord's like, I got them. You can, you can hand them over to me. You can just love them where you're at. And if it's not in the ways that they want, let me deal with that in them. And suddenly I'm handing over people and relationships. I'm actually entrusting everything to the Lord. And I'm coming to realize he's wanted to do that all along. He's been there all along. I think all of us know God is with us in every circumstance. My question is, are you inviting him into every circumstance or are you just doing those things alone? And then at your last ditch effort, are you inviting God in? God wants to do it all. You do not have to do a single thing alone. In fact, you, there's that scripture that says, right, it's for freedom. I have set you free. And I'm realizing we are carrying anxiety, burdens, and fears like crazy, walking into all these scenarios and not realizing how much God wants to be in every single part and struggle and burden and anxiety. If we would only do what Philippians says, right? Don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication. What is that? That is a pause. That is an invitation, supplication. Ask them, ask them to help with prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving. Be grateful, enjoying the ride with Thanksgiving, present your requests to God and listen to what God does and the peace of God. And isn't that what we all want, which transcends all understanding. It won't even make sense. It's so good. Transcends all understanding. Will watch this guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And isn't that the place that the enemy wants to attack specifically through things like anxiety and fear friends scripture is so beautiful and it's so powerful, but we can't just know it. We have to open ourselves for that to be a reality. You have to pause in the heart and choose not to do it alone because you know that he's with you and you want to experience that truth. Yes. Can can I ask, was there, because it was unknown, and I know that, that you've worked for churches. You've shared Jesus for years, I'm assuming, and, and written books. But in that moment where all of a sudden your world was turned upside down, I mean, completely different. Did you ever get angry at God or question his plan? And if so, how did you walk through that? Yeah, let me touch on the anger part in a minute. Okay. You specifically addressed his plan. So I wrote a book. It came out 
two Augusts ago. So however yeah. long do that. And it was called meant for good. And here's what it was on. Mm-hmm. Romans 8, 28 and 29 and Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. So I already referenced that passage. It's so ingrained in my brain. I wrote a book on it and here was the whole part of the book. It was, so Jeremiah 29, 11, that, the whole structure of the book was Jeremiah 29, 11, 12, 13, 14. So those four verses were broken into four parts and it was an invitation from God. And I didn't want to take that verse out of context. So I gave the full context of it. Who is this written to? And what's the timeless truth for us? So 29, 11 says, God speaking for, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper not to harm you plans to give you hope in the future. Who is that for? And what timeless truth can we pull out? That's true for us. And unfortunately we take that as the promise. The promise is two verses later in 29, 13, that says like, seek me and then you'll find me. That's the promise. 29, 11 is just truth about who God is, which, what is that? That God knows the plans. So you reference plans. Um, so about a year before a year and a half before my husband, no, it was a yeah, year and a half before my husband passed. I quite literally published a book that said, God knows the plans and he doesn't finish it with, and I'm planning on telling them to you what I'm doing is inviting you to trust me. So I published that a year and a half before I knew I would need it. Mm. And I asked on that book that God would share. I've written a few books and it's been sweet. Sometimes the books are like, Oh, I love this message that God taught me two years ago. So then I get to write a book about it. Mm -hmm. This one was a, you know, everyone says to trust God. And I have no idea what that looks like. I think it sounds great, but I don't know what it looks like. So I went on a journey writing that book to go, I don't know what it means to trust God. It's a great sound. It sounds great. So the book meant for good. And so here's what, then the invitation from chapter one was to say like, what can we trust about the plans? And this is what we can trust. And this is a famous passage, but in context, it's profound Romans 8, 28. Um, for I can know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So then you go, wait, what? So, I mean, even I'm saying this from a circumstance of being a widow, God uses all plans for good. Thankfully, he doesn't stop at verse 28. He continues on in verse 29 to say, for those God foreknew, he also predestined. Here's the definition of good to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So the good God plans to do is not our cultural definition of good, which is comfortable, easy, safe. Mm. No, no, no. That's not God's definition of good. God's definition of good is to form us more into the likeness of Jesus. And he can use all things to form us into the likeness of Jesus. So I have to ask the listeners, how might God be using the very thing you're going through to form you more into the likeness of Jesus. That's the good. That's what he's doing in all things. So he gave me that before I went through obviously the hardest thing of my life. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, that's, I'm asking a different question. I'm not asking why right. I'm asking God, how are you, how can you use this? So the reason I say that is because you brought up anger. Yeah. I was angry not immediately, not six months, not for the first six months at all. And to be honest, I wasn't really angry at God. I just learned how to be angry with him because I was angry. That's a big difference. So I would sit on my bed. There's a Psalm that talks about sitting on your bed and fuming and how that's worship because you're trusting God with your anger. And there's kind of these darker emotions like anger or sadness or grief that I didn't know what to do with. So I just had to sit on my bed and then allow the Lord to search my heart. And then the, the kind question I got to ask is, all right, God, how can you make me more like Jesus in this anger? And there was like, even a moment I was angry at someone and here's the profoundness. What God are, how are you going to use my anger to form me more into the likeness of Jesus? He, I believe anger is a transitional emotion. So anger was able to be transitioned to watch this. And this is the power of God at work in someone's life. Cause it was, it's all the Lord. This does not make sense outside of the Lord. Right. I moved from angry at a friend 
to, and this friend had felt like an enemy. Hmm. I had moved from anger to enemy love. That's what God does when we open up our anger with the Lord is he allows us to transition. Sometimes it transitions from anger to enemy love. Only the Lord can do that in us. We cannot do that in ourselves. But if we just try to fix our anger, stuff our anger, ignore our anger, it'll just seep out in other ways. Same thing with grief. If you're not taking the time to grieve, and that's anything, loss of life, loss of an opportunity, loss of a job, anything. If you don't take the time to grieve, it will come out and it will seep out somewhere. So you might as well take the time. And I just urge you to do it with the one who loves you the most because he knows how he could even use that for good. Wow, that is that is so, so good. I've never honestly heard anybody ever explain it to me, not being angry at God, but being angry with God. You know, as we were talking before this podcast ever began, you asked me about myself. So I told you and listeners uh, may have may or may not have heard me share. Yes, born with a muscle wasting disease that is progressive, no cure currently this side of heaven. And I think I've been angry more times at God than I have been with him. And so I really needed that. I needed to hear that, that, all right, God, I can be angry with you, not, not at you. See, I get angry because I know he could change the circumstance, right? He could, he could change the equation. It could be simple. The chair could be gone. This could be easier. The stresses could go away. And so then I put blame there because I'm like, God, I know you can change this, but that's not the point. You said it earlier. The point is that through our circumstances, adversities, challenges, it's to make us into the likeness of Jesus. And so when I use that, and I, I want to bring something else up, you said, because I want our listeners to catch it. Because I think so often when things don't go according to our cultural plan, and you brought it up, comforts and, and feeling good and, and everything. But instead of always asking the question, why, rather, God, how can you use this? I don't know. I just really like how you, how you say that. Yeah. Not, not, not so much of why anymore, but God, how can you use this? How can you yeah. use this thing that feels like a thorn in my flesh, this thing that brings me heartache and brokenness and weakness? And let me be angry with you, no longer at you, but with you. And, and, and how can I find almost, I don't want to say joy, but I'll be honest, being in a wheelchair, there are times there is joy. Yeah. When I go ice skating and my wife jumps on my lap, that's a good time. <laughs> when it's not a good time is when we're playing that tag game across the ice you know, where you're trying not to get tagged and I go full bore in my wheelchair and forget there's no brakes and slam into the wall. That's not as much joyful, but, but the rest, you know, it's, it's finding those moments. And I just really like how you, you pulled some of that out. That is. Yeah. So, let so me, let me get practical for some people. Maybe that would be helpful. I love that we're each giving our scenarios, but I want, I mean, like God can use all things, right? So let's get specific. So if you look at your life the past, like week, let's say it's guilt and you're yeah. like, okay, guilt. How in the world could God use guilt? Good. Well, guilt, if God, if your guilt, if you bring it to the Lord, what could he do with it? Oh, he would lead you straight to the foot of his cross that you might find freedom there. He even uses guilt. And then suddenly, but then the goal, remember, is not just for us to find freedom. It's actually for us to become more like Jesus. Right. So suddenly I'm guilty. 
but then I find forgiveness at the foot of the cross. And when you've received grace, that's when you get transformed into someone who can give it away as freely as it's been received, because you're just humbled in the process. I mean, God could truly use anything. And one thing I want to address that you're bringing up that I find really profound, this is a new concept. So I said, I, I mean, again, my story was, I wasn't angry at God. I was angry with God, but the yeah. weird part is, and this is something that feels like a nuance, but I think it's really significant. Even when I'm angry with God, it still can be directional at God. Right. This might surprise right. people. Okay. So if I'm angry with God, the difference for me at feels like I'm shouting at someone and it feels it's kind of like when you've seen someone really angry in the supermarket out of nowhere mm-hmm. and they're yelling and clearly they're not even open to any feedback. Even if the person's ready to say, sorry, there's no relationship there God. with God feels like you're opening up because I do believe, I mean, just read the Psalms, right? 70% of them are what lament. So yeah. I think God's okay with us going, I'm angry at you. I actually think God welcomes it, but he welcomes it in relationship. Mm-hmm. He's like, so yes, be angry with me, but make sure I have a word in there. Right. And, but the thing is, I think he's also okay. If we spend five minutes just telling God we're angry. I think a lot of us are angry at God. We just haven't told him. We haven't taken the time relationally to trust him with our anger. It's kind of like how I could start this whole podcast and say, I'm a widow and it's really hard and then move on because all of you know how hard it is, but there's something different about me going. And here's how it's hard. I'm like trusting you with the heart. I'm taking the time relationally to trust that you care. And I think similarly, we can be angry at God and never actually take the time to be angry with God. And even if while in that space where we're spending time with God, we're angry at God, I think that's okay. But I think we have to take the time to do it because otherwise there isn't a relationship there. And we're just the angry woman that's screaming at everybody and it's seeping out at everybody. It's seeping out of us. And it's suddenly we're an angry parent. We're like, gosh, you're making me so angry. Or, or we point to politics. We're going, you know, the rich people are the problem. The poor people are the problem. Vaccinations are the problem. Masks are the problem. And we turn into all, we start pointing outward because suddenly this anger is seeping out of us. But the truth is the anger has already been there. And it's not the problem of what it is. Is that facilitating anger? Yes. But the problem is the anger is already in there. The anger that's never been dealt with from a very long time ago. So I think what the Lord wants to do in our quiet times with him is go, Let's just open up your heart. And so if you're listening in, this is going to be a little spiritual formation exercise for you. Let's just take a moment. And I mean it. Let's let's expect the Lord to be in whatever we're in with us. So Lord, I'm going to open up a time of prayer for the listener, for Rob, for myself. To Lord, open up our hearts. I'm learning from the book of Exodus that you're the one that deals with the heart. So would you open it up? Is there some anger in there that hasn't been dealt with? That you and your kindness want to look at it with us. And if we're angry, you're just welcoming it. I imagine you like a perfect heavenly father going, tell me I can handle it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's fear of the future. And we've been trying to control it on our own. And God's going, I actually am outside of time. I'm already in the place of the person you're becoming. And I'm going to use all things to get you there. Imagine your heavenly father going, let's talk about it together. Is there a relationship that's broken? Are you a slave to the opinions of other people? I mean, we could go on and on and on, but I think we can model after David in Psalm 139. Just go search my heart, Lord. You already know me, but teach me how to look at my heart with you because you will use all things in time, in relationship for good.
you will form us more into your likeness. And I believe that God's plan for the world is Jesus. And I wonder if God's plan might just be us looking more like him. So Lord, would you do this in us as we trust you with our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, wow. I knew you had a lot to share today. I just, I can see, I can see it. I can see God using you, working in you. You bring up such a, such a big word, trust. I can't imagine how many listeners right now are just even wrestling with that word. Just so scared of what does trusting God really look like and how I, I like how you, you also said that learning to trust God is through the weakness, right? Or, or seeing God's power through weakness versus worship or this being moved or whatever being moved for the last long while. Weakness is a big word in my, my life. And when you put it together with trust, it can be challenging on, on some days. And, and I just, I really love what you have shared with us today. And I love these exercises of just taking a moment and, all right, God, okay, search my heart. You know, I'm a little angry. And thank you for clarifying that being angry with God can still be directional. That was a perfect perfect analogy. Meaning, I don't just want to scream at him because I'm angry. Oh, he knows I'm angry, but I want to have a relationship. And then when I get out those feelings of hurt, then taking a moment and, and stepping back and being like, okay, maybe I was wrong in that circumstance. I'm just thinking of maybe an argument with a loved one, a child <laughs> or significant other or whatever, where you're like, yeah, I was angry in that moment. Maybe, maybe I need to hear the other side or at least step into it a, a little bit deeper. And I think another thing that you bring up that listeners need to remember that when we bottle up all these feelings, they do seep out. They come out in different ways and, and, and eventually they come out. And, and so just spending moments with God, reading the scriptures, understanding there is lament, understanding that you can work through these um, as you sit on your bed with God or you're sitting on my beds, probably not where I'm going to do it a lot because it's not the most comfortable, but on drives. I love to go on drives and that's where God and I uh, can work things out. That sounds bad, but that's where we can have our, our conversations and relationship. And so I don't know what it is for our listeners, but just taking that time to listen, to share and to listen and to build that relationship because he's using all circumstances uh, to make us more like his son, Jesus. Even the hard ones. And I just appreciate so much what you have shared um, today. As we wrap up, is there anything you've given so much that I don't even want to ask this question, but is there any takeaways that you would want the listeners to hear today? As we wrap this up. Yep. I'm just going to end with reciting God's words, 29, 11 through 14 in the book of Jeremiah and let people hear from God himself and God's own invitation and definition of what trust looks like. So God begins that whole verse, those few verses with the, I know the plan. So hang out there for a second. He gets specific with the people he's speaking to, but he just goes like this. I know the plans period. Then he gets to verse 12 and he says, you will, this is what it looks like. 
you will call upon me. That's a direct contrast to calling upon yourself. You will call upon me and come and pray to me. Hear the invitation from the Lord to have time with him, not out of obligation or duty or achieving. None of that, not to finish your to-do list, not to feel good about your quiet time. He's just inviting you. Come pray to me. And then he tells us even more. He's like, I'm going to listen to you. He says that he tells us about his character. And in a world of opinions, it's nice to know there's someone who's perfect love listening. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Verse 24, I will be found by you. And he gets specific again, but there might be some more words for us when he says this. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Our God is good. So hear from him if you've been waiting to hear a word from him. Hear his invitation to relationship. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it so much. So good meeting you, Rob. I look forward to more ministry. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast, brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.